we're so blessed to be here at this church. Um, we have a great pastor. We love him. He loves us. And he shows up every Sunday unless he can't walk. So we're really blessed by him and Sister Amy. You know, in my life, I have only officially been part of two churches. One, my dad was the pastor in, and the other one is the Lord's house. So I, I, I grew up in the ministry. I visited lots of churches, did mission work for about seven years, so we moved a lot. So we visited different churches every Sunday. But right now, where I'm at, where I'm at in my life, this is the longest I've been in part of one single church. And so... Um, it's it's a great great family. Uh, it's not close to perfect, um, but we serve a wonderful guy. And if if you ever been to the hospital, you know the pastor Samuel was there to pray for you. If you ever been discouraged, he was there to talk to you, to listen to you. And um, and like I say, we're not perfect, so there is. Maybe some people out there that will think that this is the lamest church ever, but I don't agree with that. I think this is the greatest church ever around here. <clears throat> we have the greatest pastor around here. And so, and we, we, we love everybody, your family to us. It don't matter if you're good looking or ugly. Oh, wait, we don't have ugly people in this church. So everybody, your love. Um, so sorry if you're here today and you expected to, to see Pastor Samuel. Please continue to pray for him. He's in a lot of pain. And um, so we just need to pray for recovery, for healing, like Brother John was saying earlier today as we were getting ready for the service. But we're so honored just to be part of this ministry. And thank you guys for being faithful um, to the ministry and showing up every Sunday and, and, and giving into the ministry. Um, you know, it's, it's the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of the members of this church that, you know, keep it going. So we appreciate you guys. We appreciate our pastors. We love them. And we're honored that they let us be part of it, you know. Because one day they can just say, well, you're fired and we're gone. <laughs> we take this job seriously. <clears throat> so we want to do the best uh, for the Lord. Uh, we love Pastor Marcelo, Pastor Doris. I remember I was talking to Pastor Marcelo when he lived up in Virginia. He's like, man, I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to be a pastor of a church. I was like, well, he connected with Pastor Samuel, and there they are. How many years is it now? Six years. Can you all believe that? That's going by quick. And some of y'all are still telling him that he plays the guitar so great. <laughs> you need some glasses. I'm the one playing the guitar. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We don't mind getting mixed up. But we love you. We love Jesus. Um, and um, I want you to go to your, the word here in the first King uh, chapter 19, verse uh, 20. If we will go... Oh, with me. Actually, let's go to 1820, rather. <clears throat> First King. 
18:20. So this is a story um, uh, that it's it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And Chrissy asked me if I was going to read the whole thing because that will cover the whole message because it's really long. So we're we're going to try to read through it. But um, this is the account of Elijah. By the way, if you didn't know my name in Spanish is Elias, which translates in English to Elijah. The name, uh, the meaning of that name is whose God is Jehovah. And uh, it's a tribute to that because some of the stuff that this man experienced with God, he was a prophet of Jehovah. And uh, he experienced the power of God firsthand. So we're going to be talking about that today. The account of Elijah in the prophets of Baal is according to 1 Kings 18. After Israel has gone more than three years without rain as judgment for their idolatry, the prophet Elijah confronts the evil king Ahab and challenges him to a spiritual showdown. So I've been um, trying to catch up with the Olympics, at least, you know, the sports that I like, soccer and uh, basketball. And I don't care about the other ones. They're really cool, and they get lots of medals. And it's really competitive, and it's amazing. I think somebody wrote one of their memes about Hussein Bolt, and he was saying that he trained for so many years for those 10 seconds of his life. And everybody sees that gold medal, but the background, the, the behind-the-scenes, the amount of work that goes into it, we don't ever see it. We, we just see ah, he's the fastest man in the world, whatever. And they win the gold medal. Uh, there's some lady, I think she's a U.S. lieutenant. I don't remember what branch of the military. But she had retired because of health issues. Then she came back and won a medal. Uh, we have that other young lady that had a breakdown. But she went back and um, won a bronze medal. And she was so excited about it. Um, it's amazing what these athletes go by because they're people like us. I always thought that soccer players were like so big because on the TV, they look really big. And I remember I went to my first professional soccer game with my favorite soccer team from Spain. And Chrissy went with me and she was making fun of me because she said I was acting like those girls that go to the Justin Bieber concert. <clears throat> I was so excited. I was like, hey, Ramos, Ronaldo. I was excited. But I was kind of disappointed because they looked like my height. They were like my size. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) They're people like us. It was dumb. I was already 28 years old, and I was acting like a little kid. But there are things that get us excited in life. I don't know what does you, but me, it's rice and beans, and um sour cream, fried plantain, that stuff gets me excited. Um, so anyways, three years without rain, and so Elijah said, yo, bring your best players. We're going to do something. And he's like, all right, all right. So uh, they bring them in. There's 400 prophets of Baal, and these people were so involved in idolatry, even the Israelites. They were so mixed up in the culture that you could not distinguish who was who, except by whatever they called themselves. So they put them all together. They go up, gather up Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of the false god Baal, and 400 prophets of the false 
goddess of Asherah. And you can see that in verse 19. So Ahab sent word throughout Israel and assembled the prophets of Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. See, many times in our lives, we find ourselves in this situation. Uh, We say we love God. Because we go to church and we're these good Christians that are playing along in the game. But then in our actual daily life, we have other gods that we serve. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's pleasure. For some people, it's fame. And you're chasing after that. And you just go out of heart. But then you save Sunday for the Lord. And so we waver between these two opinions. So who really is your Lord? When you look at it, when you spend the most of your life worrying about, thinking about, spending your energy on, that's your God. And so Elijah was talking to the Israelites, said, you, you got to make up your mind, man. Either you serve God and you think that he's the Lord or you follow Baal. You got to decide right now. And so the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. Oh, poor Elijah. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get to bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one of them and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but no set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put on the wood, but no set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you said is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, giving them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. How long is that? Like 5 to 12, right? Whenever the sun comes out until noon. Baal answered as they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar and they had, that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling or relieving himself. <laughs> Weird. Uh, maybe he's sleeping. It must be awakened. And he was just going at them. Midway, midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all of the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he re- repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes sent from Jacob, who to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two she- seeds. What is that? That is probably about 24 pounds or about 11 kilograms. It's one of my notes here. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and then they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, then they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even 
fill the trench. In the time of sacrifice, the prophet, I just step forward and pray. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me to these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. And also licked up the water in the trench. When the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for it is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his, its face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servants. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud, a small cloud, as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, He chopped your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came to Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. That is first King eighteen twenty through forty. So now we have seen this amazing miracle. God brought fire that burned the stones. My wife asked me this morning, how how do you think that fire was that he actually burned the stones? And the only thing I could think of is like volcanoes, you know, when the lava it just runs down, and then when it dries out or when it cools down, it becomes stone. So it must have been some fire. And it's amazing that, you know, Elijah was like, hey, come on, guys, bring it on. Bring your A game because my God is going to show. Like he knew what God was going to do. He trusted God so much that he didn't care how many prophets they had. He didn't care how many of them were. But he knew that God was going to be there for him. Now, fast forward to the next chapter. Ahab goes to his wife, Jezebel, and he tells her what happened. Hey, Elijah just killed all of our prophets. So he's like, you know, on fire, and he, they, they brought grain, whatever. And Jezebel said, well, I hate him, but tomorrow morning I want his head. So she put a, a bounty on his head that he was going to get killed. Elijah got a word of that, and he freaked out. He said, oh, my goodness, I'm going to get killed. So he ran, and he was just running for his life. I'm the only one left. Poor me. The queen is after me. I'm going to die. And he ends up in a cave, hiding like a little puppy when the coyotes are chasing him. So this is Elijah that a chapter before have 
prayed to God and sent fire down to burn this water bowl. And there he is on a cave, hiding. And he doesn't know what to do with himself. So, as he was on the way, um, God asked him, hey, what are you doing? Now, let me ask you something, though. If you were about to do something, do you think that God knows what you're doing? Come on, it's, it's not a rhetorical question. I, I need your answer. So, if you're going to do something, do you think that God knows what you're going to do? Okay, so, why did God ask him, what are you doing? You know, what's, what's your plan here? What's your... Um, yeah, what are you doing? So, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Did you just see what happened? So, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done it and how he had killed all these prophets. So, she's like, yeah, I want him dead. So, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servants there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So he said, if I run far enough, she won't get me. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Have you ever wanted to die? I think there has been a couple times. Once I was, like, really sick. I was like, I want to die. But I didn't really mean it. And then there was one time that I said, I want to die. And I also didn't really mean it then. So I honestly never wanted to die. But I had that thought. So then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. So there's a principle here that I, I want to bring out. Sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're struggling... When you're running away, when you feel that you're alone, when you feel that you're just desperate and have nowhere to go, I mean, you just got to stop and eat. God will take care of you. It don't matter where you are in your life. You just got to chill, you know, get you a burger or mad chicken or whatever you're into or a salad maybe, perhaps. It will be healthy for you. But get you something. Just stop. And eat, because God wants us to take care of ourselves, our bodies. You know, they're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you just got to take care of it, or else you're just going to die. Um, so the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long time. That's like going from here to Canada, probably. If you go on food, I don't know. Maybe farther than that, South America. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord appears to Elijah, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to dead with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. So it's very interesting for me because he started this whole thing with 
let's make a competition. Let's see, like, who is really God. Y'all get ready, bring your stuff, bring your, your, your altars and whatever. And then I'll call upon God, you call upon your God, and then we'll sh- show off who, who is really God. So he, he, he was hyping. He was excited. He was into it. You know, it's like whenever you just give your life to Jesus and you see God working in your life and he's like in your favor and you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And you start seeing miracles and wonders and you see all this thing. Your belief system is so grown that you just feel like you don't know that much. But what you know, you put it in practice. And your faith is feels so increased by the little you know and you practice. So the more you stay in Christianity, you know, the more you learn. You start looking around. You see other people. You see the way other people live Christianity. You get disappointed. You get discouraged. You switch churches. You start judging. You start comparing. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, this is a sham. This is not what I thought it was. It doesn't feel like it was in the beginning. Because sometimes we make a connection between having faith and belief with this hyping emotion inside of us. This feel-good thing, you know, that you're just, yeah, Jesus, whoo! But even when we're running away, when we're in a cave, when we're in situations, God It's always there. It's not always this exciting, happy, leapy feeling or whatever. Because faith is not about an emotion. Because when you are, like when you expect your faith to be just all this good feeling stuff. See, emotions are dangerous. Because they fluctuate. They go up and down. You can be excited for God today and then tomorrow something happens and you're mad at God. So you cannot put a foundation of emotion like you, your face can't be based on that because it's, it's an action faith without works is dead so sometimes we got to make the right choice the right decision even if we don't feel like it that's what faith it is so today we're talking about you know pick, picking up your fights what is it the, the stuff that we we need to deal with in order to stay with our faith. So Elijah told the people, you got to make a decision here. So you tell me that you're a Christian. But your lifestyle, your mindset, your belief system doesn't match Christianity. So who is your Lord? You either follow God or you follow the world. And a lot of times, and, 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 and the reason why I'm sharing with this is because I've been dealing with this stuff, you know. Doing business all the time and working all the time. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. Where's my time with God here? Because, yeah, I keep God in my business. I try to do right and be honest and be up front and keep God there all the time. But sometimes you got to take a minute and commit it, like dedicate it to God. And I'm telling you that minute that it's not just Sundays when you're sitting here and listening to the word. Because you get empty out. You get challenges. You get into situations, circumstances, caves. And there, there's these big events in our lives that all of a sudden our world is crashing down. The devil is literally up to kill you. And so you can either freak out and run. Or you can remember that the day before, God Almighty showed up for you. 
And it's a hard thing, y'all. Because we're talking about faithfulness here. We're talking about every day making a decision to trust God. If you remember those three men that God gave them a, a talent, it was one of the parables. And one of the guys buried it, the other one invested it, and the other one, I don't remember what he did with it. You guys remember? Like, what? Put it in the bank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and then he said, good and faithful servant, you were faithful in the little, I will exalt you on the big. And a lot of times we fail to do that. We wonder why our faith is weakened. Why is it that we don't trust as much? Why is it that we don't see miracles in our lives? But it's because we've forgotten to be faithful in the little things. Whatever it is, our relationships, how we manage finances, what we do with our time, how diligent we've been with our work, how is it that we're speaking to one another? How is it that we're loving on other people or not loving on people? So those little things, they sneak up on you and all of a sudden, your faith is shaken and you're weakened. And then the devil come and boom, pounce on you. And you're like, what in the world? Maybe a loved one die and he breaks your heart and he shakens your world and all of a sudden, well, there's no God. But it's, it's a small thing, the song says. It, it doesn't happen in a day when all of a sudden you lose faith. You lose trust. And what happens is, guys, these signs and wonder will follow those who believe. But if you don't have faith, if you don't believe, what, what kind of signs, what kind of wonders are you going to see? None. So all of a sudden, Elijah's life was in danger, and he decides that he's alone, that there is nobody that cares for him. So the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's twice. Remember he asked before. Did God know what he was doing? Yes. You remember we agreed to that before. Um, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert. That was 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> That's what he gets though. See, the thing is, y'all, when you run away from God, <laughs> you got to run back. You know, okay, so get this. The earthquake came back, the fire came by, but the Lord wasn't in the fire in the earthquake. But then a whisper came.
But sometimes we hear the lies more than what God is speaking about us. Because we hear a scream and we're like, oh, that's what society is into now. Oh, that's what social media is doing right now. Oh, that, that's what's trending now. And we pay so much attention. And, and, and in the meantime, God is whispering to you. I love you. I'm with you. All the days of your life. Until the end. I'm with you. You can do anything. Because I'm strengthening you. You got to trust me. You got to leave that idolatry. Because I don't mix with other things. I'm not in the midst of idolatry. When you put other stuff before me. I'm not there. And then we're shaking. We don't see miracles. We don't see God. But that's because we have pushed God away from his place. In the meantime, he's whispering, I'm here. I'm here with you. But things can change in a moment, y'all. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But there are things that will separate us from our relationship with God. I'm married to Chrissy. I will love her until I die. But in order to stay married to her, there is certain requirements that I have to live by. There are rules in marriage. There are regulations, and I have to live by them. Because even if she loves me, she won't stay married to me if I keep breaking those rules. And so many times the Bible compares our relationship with God as a marriage. It's the same thing. We think that we can get away with murder and do whatever, but the grace of God is sufficient. So we live into this greasy grace. That's what which Almond used to call it. And we just take advantage of it and put other things before God. And we just keep milking it and milking it and milking it. And we just have this unending supply. But there's going to come a time that you have to make up your mind. Who are you going to serve? Who is your Lord? Because if you want to see these miracles, if you want to see these wonders, if you want to see working, the power of the gospel working in your life, you're going to have to get rid of these things and build an altar and set him in the throne where he belongs. And it's going to take a lot of step up, y'all. 
I'm telling you, you got to stop listening to the lies that the enemy's been telling you for years because they're the same stuff. Why do you think we keep going back to the same sin? Because we're listening to the same lies. Like, sin hasn't changed. It hasn't gotten creative. It's the same stuff. And the reason is because we keep listening to the same lies. You're looking for fire. You're looking for an earthquake. You want somebody to shake your world. You need to listen to the whisper. And then you'll see the fire. Because how many of the people in this room can honestly say that you have seen the power of God in action? Come on, at some point in your life. How many of you have seen God working in your behalf? I have, y'all. You know, I was sitting at this crusade and there was this lady. She was crippled for 38 years from birth on her wheelchair. And one, this pastor and my dad, they came and prayed for her. And they said, get up and go. She got up and went. I was freaking out. It's 12 years old. I was like, what just happened? And then I started thinking she was faking it. Because I didn't believe. That was just too much for me. I was like, that's weird. I'm tripping right now. Like, I, I was just like, what, what just happened? But then I realized that that's the power of Christ. And it will be shown if you believe. So you got to step out and fight for your faith. You understand me? It can be something that you just look for that feel good because faith is not about being comfortable and being like, oh, I'm at the right place at the right time. Oh, yeah. The perfect will of God is so warm and comfy. It's not like that. It'll make us uncomfortable. It'll make us give up things. It'll make us change because the power of Christ is continually working in you. And you know, it's like how many of y'all go to the chiropractor? Oh, I've been once and he didn't want to touch me. He's like, oh, you're this garbage. I can't touch that. He go to the spine doctor. But um, that was the only time I ever went. So he didn't even do anything for me. But anyways, but the ones that have gone, you know, you, you, he does your thing. You feel better. But then you do your lifestyle and then you have to go back and get an adjustment. That's just, you know, bones get out of place, your hips get all twisted or whatever, because hips don't lie. And so, it, like, things happen. So you get an adjustment. And in Christianity, it's a live thing. It's a daily thing. We got to get an adjustment. And I don't care how old you are, how holy you are, how long you've been in church, how many years you've been in ministry. I live through it, y'all. You know, we've been doing youth ministries for over 20 years. That's scary thought. We have married some of the kids that we had had through our ministry. And, and it's weird. We have kids that have kids at the same time we did and they were in our youth group. That is really weird. Sometimes it makes me feel old. Sometimes it makes me feel young. But we don't at all. We've seen it all. We've seen the bad, the good, and the ugly, but we're still no better than you. We still have struggles just like you do. 
We still have to choose every day to work in our faith. To put up the best game we got. Because God is worth it. Hmm. Proximity. He's so close to us. He's so available. I hate money. I hate not having money. I hate having money and don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I hate working for money. <laughs> I really do. No, I don't hate working. I just hate working for money. I like to help people. I think I had developed this servant thing as one of my love language. It used to be touch, but it's getting all mixed up. Um, so I love working for money, though, because it's such a little reward. You, know, you just got to do it because you got to pay bills and you got to do stuff. But it's, it's just not fulfilling. And I hate money because it's such a huge stronghold. But God can use it so many times to check where you're at. So I don't know about you, um, but I used to really pray when I didn't have any money. I don't anymore, to be honest with you. I just, I really tried to work on that area of my life and just trust God. But I remember that I used to pray, like I even fast for money. So I was bringing this world philosophy, oh, you do something and then you get money. And I was mixing it with my Christianity. So I decided to do otherwise and just trust God because my God is able and he's the owner of all the riches and glory and those things are available to us. And I know that he will even use the ravens to come and feed me. So as long as I have rice and beans, I'm good. You know, I can get a bicycle if I don't have a car or walk. Uh, now, my kids, is another story. That's the reason why I get out and work. Because they need AC and they need toys and they need all kinds of stuff. But it's, it's such a beautiful thing just to grow in faith and trust God. Not just for this material, short-lasting stuff, but just for eternity. Where's your faith today, y'all? Like if you just found out that you have this terminal illness and Satan is out to kill you, are you going to freak out and go on a cave and be depressed? If you found out that you're just about to get fired from your job, that you're about to get a divorce, that your kids are not doing good, that you're just broke. Are you going to trust the Lord? Are you going to say, no matter what, I, I want that whisper. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to see a miracle because God is with me no matter what the circumstances are. And believe me, the pain is real. The desperation is real. So is God. You got to understand that this is a walk that we do. This is a continuous growing that we have. It has to take place in our lives. 
We can't live with miracles that we experienced 20 years ago. And that's the problem that we have in Christianity. They're good memories. They're great remembrance. Oh, I remember that night. I was just kneeling in the altar. And I just I was praying. And I was weeping in the presence of God. And I was praying in English. I was praying in Spanish. I was throwing a little Portuguese in there. And all of a sudden, I started speaking in tongues, something that I didn't understand. And the power of God overwhelming for the first time ever I received the gift of speaking in tongues. And I just pray. I remember for us like for 25 minutes, the reminder of the service. It was a discovery camp. And it was just amazing. I have never experienced anything like that in my life. And I remember it. But that's not enough fuel to carry me 15 years later. Do you understand that? I remember I saw that lady getting out from that wheelchair. But I do remember sitting on that chair right there, one, two, three, four, the fourth row from the back when we used to have the pews. And Brother Philip Baker, he was here, and he was praying for healing, and he was saying, ah, you guys, uh, let, who is in pain and whatever? And I didn't want to pray for myself. I was like, no, let God bless other people. I'm good. I can take some Advil or whatever. And I, my back was really hurting at the time. And I was just sitting there, and I was just like, ah, you know, God can heal other people. And I said, but if you want to, you can heal me. And when I said that, the pain went away. I had it for like two weeks. I was like really hurting. And I'm, um, if you ask my wife, I don't like to take any medicine, any pills. They gave me some some high stuff when I hurt my back, right? What was it? Like hydrocodone or some of them highly addictive stuff. I didn't take them because I, I don't like to take pain pills. But sitting there, and I, I was just saying, if you want to, you can heal me. At the moment I said that, he healed me. Like straight up. And he was gone like forever. So God's still working miracles. But you got to believe. You got to trust God. And that's a decision that you have to do consciously. Do you understand this? It's not going to happen by just, oh, yeah, yeah. That's the emotional part of it. I'm a very emotional man. I can scream. I can shout. I can cry maybe some. But that's not what we're talking about. It's a decision that you have to make. No matter what, I'm going to trust you because I've seen you do it, and you'll do it again. So whatever it is, guys, that life brings you, maybe sometimes we're carrying stuff from the past, and it's weighing us down. And we think that because our past marriage didn't work, so that's going to be the same story for the future. Oh, because I was such a bad kid. You know, my kids are going to be terrible just like me. Don't claim that stuff. You got to have faith. God is with you. I mean, I cannot imagine. Chrissy was telling me, I don't know how these people, they saw all these miracles. They still turn away from God. And I wonder the same thing. But I told her, there's people still seeing miracles right now. And they're turning away from God. So, I don't know if you're just, you know, you're looking for that miracle, and that's cool. God will do it if you believe, because these signs and wonder will follow. But you got to trust what you know of Him. 
You know that He loves you. That no matter what, He's with you until the end. So whenever you feel depressed, whenever you feel confined, whenever you feel like you want to run away, you got to trust these things, these truths about God. You got to build your faith. You got to be ready that whenever somebody challenges you and say, oh, your God's not real. Whenever a sickness say, oh, I'm taking control of your body. You say, by his stripes, we've been healed. Oh, you're broke. You got nothing to show for all the work that you do. You work all the time and you just look like a poor person. But my God, it's able. He will provide according to his riches and glory. Stop concentrating in what you don't have. And start giving thanks for what you do have. The blessings that God has given you. There's so many people through this mess that we are living through. They got sick and they die. We experienced this in our own church. There's a lot of us that we have got COVID and we didn't even have any symptoms. That's a blessing, y'all. And we got to be thankful for. It's not something to flaunt about and be like, oh, I'm just so super immune. I think that sometimes. And my wife's like, no, you're crazy. Faith! Whew! Such a big word. Something that we have to work on every single day of our lives. I want you all to stand up. My God is able. Shoot. My God is able. So there are three things that I want us to do this morning. Number one is, and this is between you and God. I want you to search your heart. Can you all play like some music in the, just some worship music. It, it, it helps concentrate, I guess. What is that one idol that has been taking over your life? It can be whatever it is because God is personal. And he's available and able and he's close. What is that one idol that you've been putting before God? Because I'm telling you. That's what's stopping God's work in your life. I have a sense that there are some of us that we feel that we're about to take off, but we can't. Because there's a weight holding us down. And I'm telling you this morning that is that idol. Because God will not put up with anything that is put before him. And again, it's personal. I can't tell you what my idol is, but it's not the same as yours. Because God is personal. And what I mean by personal, it's not like you can make up God whichever works for you. God is who he is. He say, I am who I am. So he's not going to accommodate you with your idolatry just because he's personal. God is personal because he meets you right where you're at. And he loves you. 
But he will not put up with your idolatry. Number two, what's your struggle? What is it, the struggle that you're going through that you can't seem to get God in control of it? You can't trust God with it. This is different than idolatry. This can be a circumstance. It can be something that you're going through that you haven't been able to trust God with. And God is saying this morning, just surrender. Let it go. Bring it to the altar. Let him work on it. Trust him with it because he knows what to do with it better than you. And you got to get honest here, people of God. I don't care who you are. You understand that? Some of y'all are way wiser than me. You don't life better than me. And I understand that. But this is the word of God speaking to you. This We have seen a man that went from seeing the palpable miracles of God bringing fire from heaven to someone hiding in a cave, not knowing if he trusted God anymore, fearing for his life and his things and, and, and what he had and the reputation that he had built. And, and this, this thing that came with his life his life as he knew it was shaken. It was being taken away from him. So he found in a moment of desperation, he found himself that he didn't know what to do with his life. And all he can do is run away. Nowadays, the term mental illness has been passed around a lot. One of the athletes that I mentioned today she said that the pressure was so much emotional pressure mental pressure that she had to step down but I'm telling you church of God we gotta bring an alternative to what's going on to the world because we are supposed to be the salt, the light of this world but if you're just going through the motions and not overcoming these things that Satan is yelling And God is whispering this morning and telling you that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He wants to build you up, that He wants to provide for you, that He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. So whatever depression, whatever struggle that is in your heart, He wants to bring peace inside of you. Oh, He is my God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He is God. And He is right by your side. He loves you. He loves you so, so deep. And the reason why you have not been able to experience that love it's because that idolatry. It's because you're interpreting your circumstances as greater than your God. The third thing I want you all to do. Just come to this altar. There's enough space for everybody. But again, I know it's such a long walk from your seat to here. 
Let's just surrender to him. Jesus, turn down the idols. Jesus, let's build an altar in our hearts where you are glorified. Let our faith be rebuilt. Let our trust be renewed. Because we want to see you, God. We want to see you in our lives. We want to see you in our coffee. Imagine when you hit that morning coffee. If it's full from the Spirit of God. When you're just thankful, you're actually able to get up that morning and have that cup of coffee. And just have that attitude of gratitude. When you get up in the morning and you show up to that job that you hate. But you know it's a blessing that God is using to provide for your needs. And you say, thank you, Jesus. When you realize that his presence is so real in your life that there is no way to deny it. And you start listening to that whisper. And you start seeing the miracles breaking down in your life. And you start seeing, oh, that the fire is coming down in your life. And he's burning all those fake altars. All those idols in his power overwhelms you. That there is no circumstance. That there is no problem. That there is no idol. That will make you doubt of the goodness and faithfulness of God. Jesus, we surrender to you. We want to trust you with our lives, with our hearts, with our minds. With everything we are. Because you know what to do in a world that is confused, that is mixed up, there is it's just destroying itself. That all they can do is hide. That all they can do is just go into a room and don't get out. Because it's scary out there, it's infectious. Jesus, clean up your church from the inside out. Jesus, wake up this giant that is going to get ready for battle and tell the enemy, show me what you got. Because my God is real and he is able. And no matter what you throw at me, we are more than conqueror. We are more than conqueror. So are you ready for this? Just raise your hands this morning and say, Jesus, we put down our idols. Jesus, we surrender to you and we trust you, God. Jesus, we give you everything that is keeping us from experiencing your power, your glory, your truth, your kindness, your deep, deep love. We come before you, Lord, and we want to trust you even with those Deep secrets in our hearts. We want to trust you. Shut down our early ears and open our spiritual ears to hear your whisper, God. Because you're not going to come down and speak to us in the way that we expect us, expect you to speak. Because your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. So we want to align this morning. And trust you. And trust you.
The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it will not rain, and it did not rain. Three and a half years, he said that prayer before. And then he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the air produced its crops. So God is listening. He's not absent. He's not deaf. He's not using the bathroom. He's not distracted. He's listening. So what is your prayer today? And don't pray for stuff that God has already given you. Don't pray for money because God has already provided for you. Don't pray for stuff that has been already given to you because you're just wasting your prayer. You got to claim those things because they're in the war of God. His provision. We get so distracted praying prayers and things that we already have. God has given us healing, power. Sing it, I say Jairo. Jairo, you are enough. Jairo, you are enough. And I will be content in every circumstance. Yes, he is enough. Forever enough. Always enough. Forever enough. I don't want to forget how I feel right on the mountain top. I can see so clear what I see. So stay by my side when the sun Sing it, say Chara. Understand that he's enough for you, and because he's enough for you, you are enough for whatever you gotta do with the calling that God has put in your life. Because he is in us, we can conquer this world and everything that comes with it. But we gotta stand up, church of God. We gotta stand up and raise our banner and say, In God, we are more than victorious. And let me tell you, it's not easy. Nobody said that it will be easy. But he said, don't worry. I have conquered the world. I have overcome. And because of that, you have 
victory. So Jesus, we want to trust you. We want to know you and trust what we know of you. We surrender to you, God. And we ask you that you increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Before-